What is up, everyone? This is Nick Finzer. Welcome back to the Nick Finzer Audio Experience. I'm super excited today to share a talk that I gave along with Alan Blanchard, our operations director at Outside of Music at the NAM show in 2019 as part of their Generation Next conference that kind of took place inside of the NAM show. So it was a really, really fun event to be a part of and it was a really great chance to connect with a lot of people in the industry uh, and share our thoughts about releasing music, our thoughts about how to do that, how to come up with a release strategy, content strategy, turning your content and release strategy into a career development opportunity and how you should think about all of that. So this was a really fun uh, talk that we gave a couple of years back. I think everything still holds true two years later, and I hope you enjoy it. This, so this is uh, a speech slash workshop session that I uh, gave back at the NAM show in 2019 out in Los Angeles and Anaheim, and uh, it's here for you today. So I hope you enjoy uh, this little speech slash workshop, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Really quickly, my name is Nick Finzer. I own Outside of Music. It's a jazz record label and media company based in New York City. Uh, I'm originally a jazz trombonist. I still a jazz trombonist, and I now teach at the University of North Texas uh, as a jazz trombone professor. And uh, my colleague here, this is Alan Blanchard. Uh, he has been working with me on Outside of Music for the last couple of years. Alan was a student of mine at Florida State University, where I taught for a couple of years before. Uh, before where I am now, and in addition to playing in New York. So kind of in the trenches as a musician, as well as trying to figure out what we can do as jazz artists in 2019 and beyond uh, with content, uh, with putting out records, creating things, because you might not have noticed, but uh, we're way behind the rest of the industry uh, in terms of the volume of content, the approach to putting out music, uh, and just putting our music, too, I think, on too high of a pedestal and not uh, being willing to share it with people in the places where they are, in the places where they want to consume music already. Uh, but I'll let Alan introduce himself first and then we'll take it away. Yeah, so like Nick said, um, I met him while he was at Florida State as an interim professor for two years. And I'm there, currently there now finishing my master's. Um, so a little bit about me, I work for him as a project manager with Outside of Music and teaching assistant there, and I'm a jazz trumpet player, so that's kind of what I did. Um, and I got into the music business world, working with him, with this, and basically I was trying to answer the questions of like, what can I do? Um, because as a musician, I feel like we, especially a jazz musician, there's not like clear job auditions or anything, and it's always a, you never have this feeling of like, well, I can do this and actually measure growth or, um, you know, actual like milestones that you hit, so that you're not like getting depressed, like, why can't I play like Freddie Hubbard, you know? So we started doing this, and with Nick, when he came in, he was one of the younger faculty members we had. Everyone else grew up during the big boom, during like the Jazz Lions age and everything, with Victor Goins and Wynn Marcellus, and when they were all hitting that. And that's when a lot of record labels were signing jazz musicians then. So having Nick there is kind of interesting to be like, well, hey, what do, what, like, what do we do? You know, Blue Note isn't signing anybody new. And we started talking about all these questions of, you know, what's next, like what should I be doing in school, what do I do if I don't want to just go to graduate school, because so many musicians now kind of take these graduate school auditions just because they don't want to get out into the real world, and they're going to get their masters and going to get their doctors because they feel like they have to have that to be able to feel successful or get a job or, or any form of job security in that regards. So Nick, you know, talked about his philosophy on content and what we should be doing to kind of change it, and I bought in. Um, and we'll see if it pays off coming out, but this is kind of how we 
we, we approach that and answer the questions of what should students be doing now? What should they be doing when they get out? How do you get past this mindset of, I'm a student and my stuff is not good enough to get out there now? You know, how do you get into that mindset of realizing like, my job starts now and my career started yesterday and I have to figure out how to get to the next level? Um, which is kind of what we're gonna talk about today. So outside in music, it started because I put out a record with a, a record label that will not be named, and uh, I did not have a great experience with that, and I realized that I could do it better, or differently at least, myself. And so I, what I did was I started this label, and started realizing that I could help my friends in New York uh, who are around my age put out their, their music, and uh, it kind of got me thinking about, you know, what do we stand for, what do we represent, and it kind of comes to down to this phrase that's kind of at the top of the screen here. Uh, so this is kind of our mission, is create, connect, repeat. So create, connect, repeat is the thing that I talk about with my artists all the time. You need to be making stuff all the time. We usually get into this cycle, uh, at least with projects, is that people think they're going to take a cycle of like 18 months or two years to make a record, to put it out. They spend $10,000, $15,000 recording, mixing, mastering, hiring the publicist, hiring the radio promoter, and doing all this stuff, and then they get a little blip on the kind of scene, and then they dip off for another two years, and they get a little higher blip, and they dip off. And so what I'm trying to get people to do is buy into the same content strategy that the rest of the world has already been embracing, which is to put stuff out all the time. Put stuff out all the time. You need to be putting music out constantly. So this has turned into a number of things. Uh, there's a weekly show on our YouTube channel uh, called Create Connect for People where we talk about just different things, trying to get artists to get off their butts and to start doing things and stop waiting around and thinking that they're going to get signed, that they're going to you know, find this magic opportunity uh, to have things uh, be handed to them. With my students teaching at Florida State or teaching at University of North Texas, you know, the students are at a high level, but I would say, you know, there's still another maybe echelon above that. I happen to go to Juilliard for my master's degree, and I think back to all the, the people that I went to school with there, you know, it's a small class size, and there's four, maybe 40 people in the program at a given time. And from there, the only person that probably most people know that went to school with me was John Batiste, who's now on The Late Show with the Stephen Colbert Show. And so that's one out of 40 that are at the tippy-top echelon of quote, music education in a conservatory setting. So there's just not a lot of opportunities for people. To, even the higher you get, it's still only a small percentage of people that are going to end up getting picked and not having to you know, do it the hard way. So I try to encourage my students to start doing things now because the hard way is it's the long way, but it's the way to get a trajectory in your career that will last for a long time and not just be uh, a fleeting uh, moment in, in career. So our digital first strategy hasn't only led us to you know, focus on YouTube videos and Facebook content, but we tie that in with traditional marketing campaigns. And just last month in the New York Times, uh, two of our artists uh, were featured in a write-up about big bands that were happening in New York. Uh, you can go find that at New York Times if you're interested, but there's one band called Big Heart Machine and another called, called the Terraza 7 Big Band, and the composers of those bands were you know, featured in this, and they're also featured on the Pop Matters New York Times podcast. So we're working with publicists, we're working with people that are thinking in the current marketplace and not just wishing that things were how they, they used to be. And in jazz, we, you know, we hearken back to those days often, and for good reason musically, but not such good reasons um, in my opinion, uh, business-wise, career-wise. So we're just trying to get all of our artists to think about making more stuff. And whether that stuff is records, videos, 
posts on YouTube, vlogs, anything, you know, anything that they can do to try to share what they're doing uh, with their audience. So the first thing that I have to talk to the artists about all the time is this concept. That the content is king, and that your music is the content, and that you've got to be okay with giving it away for free. Because nobody knows who you are, and nobody cares about what you're doing until they do. And if they can't find you, it's, it's impossible to get to that point. And a lot of artists, we constantly go back and forth about, should I put my music on Spotify? And yes, I'm sure we would all agree, we all wish we got paid more money from Spotify. And, but that's a separate question from whether there's people on Spotify wanting to listen to your music. And the answer to that is yes. There's people that want to hear your music that are listening, playing you know, these, these curated playlists that are just themed, you know, coffee table jazz, or the state of jazz, or chill jazz, or whatever these different things are. People are listening to them. They have hundreds of thousands of people that are subscribed to these playlists, and if you're not there, you don't exist. So I try to encourage my artists and my students to think about, even though you might be not a fan of Spotify, not a fan of how their business model is, you can still connect with the people, get them into your circle, and start to take advantage of that attention that you're getting for being on those platforms, even though you might not agree with their business practices. Because it's kind of irrelevant, in my opinion. Because for me, I give away everything that I do for free. Every song that I've ever recorded is on YouTube. Every live concert I film is on YouTube. Every release is on Spotify, everything. And I don't really care if anybody ends up paying me right now for my music because I want it to be getting out into the world and I want to eventually, 20, 30 years from now, to be able to look back and see the results of all that sharing that I've done uh, as an artist. And so this is the kind of, this is the strategy that I talk about with our artists, and that the content is the most important, and your music is the content, and just put it out into the world and do it more frequently. It doesn't have to be the most polished thing all the time. People <laughs> love reality TV. They love to see behind the scenes. They love to see what you're working on. You know, um, the new project that I'm working on, I'm just doing Instagram live streams of all the times. So every five, ten minutes I have where I'm thinking about uh, writing some music, just turn on Instagram live stream and just start writing and talking about, oh, I'm just working on this music for this record. Because you know what? Maybe most people that are following you don't care. But you know, there's five people out there that are like, oh, that's interesting. And then the next time there's seven. And then the next time there's nine. And we get caught up in like trying to get these big numbers. But when you can connect with people on a deep level quickly, it really transforms your career in a way that uh, is not perceivable to the outside. Alan and I were just talking about this before we came in that the numbers on your YouTube streams, the numbers on your Facebook page are, are just that, they're just numbers, they're just vanity. I know that because I've been doing this for four years, putting this content out constantly, that I'm getting more messages, more emails, more people that are saying that this is helping them than ever before. Even though the metrics, you know, the numbers, they don't show that it's gone up that much, you can feel it. And I'm just trying to get people on the bandwagon to start now because it, it takes a long time. It takes five years, six, seven years to even get that first amount of traction into the industry. So I just really encourage all of you who are thinking about a new project to just get started and start sharing everything you can around, uh, around some of this. So Alan, as he's still a student, has a number of things that he's observed as, as a student and kind of talk about some of these uh, mindset things, and some of these uh, actual questions that get brought up uh, pretty frequently. 
Yeah, so I was one of the students that went straight from my bachelor's into my master's. Um, it turned out to be the same university because I enjoyed studying there, what everyone wanted. And um, commonly, when Nick and I were trying to figure out how we wanted to present this, we figured we would just present it the way that we hold conversations. Um, because we always talk about, you know, I'll ask them, like, how do I do this? How do I sign up for endorsements? How do I, do I get a publicist or whatnot? And I'm someone's, uh, Alice's assistant now at Juilliard, and she has me doing all these small things, but we talk about, well, that's a class that should be taught at school. You know, and in class at school, you get these improvisation classes and these ensemble classes, and you might have one music business course, which isn't necessarily talking about what you need to actually do as a musician to get out there and do that. And so I think the biggest thing that we've kind of hit on is this concept of branding. And it's the idea is that while you're a student at a university, you're branded as a student. And everyone looks at you as you are a student. You almost have this sense of like innocence to you and, and the bubble that you're in while you're a student. Um, and personally, we believe that while you're in college, you need to not brand yourself as a student. You need to start then while you have the resources of the university with recording and other musicians that you can pay in pizza to play with you and all of this idea is, is to start creating this content and you have a lot of time while you're in college when you're not necessarily having to focus on rent and health insurance and, and all this stuff. And so what we've set up is this concept that if you start then with doing this if, as your first, second year in college, if we're saying it takes five years, then you're already building this magnitude for when you get out where you're a lot more networked, you're a lot more, uh, a lot more connections that you have. And we just talk about asking these questions of, you know, when do I book a tour? How do I get sponsored? How do I hire a publicist? Are managers worth anything? You know, the whole concept of, I'm learning now running royalties for the companies. Like, how does this actually work? And what about the big deal of, do I sign away my music to a publisher when I write it, or do I self-publish it? And what does that mean for me? So going on to this, all this content, we also got to get past this feeling that, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Like, Marcus Roberts lives in Tallahassee, where I go to school. Great jazz pianist I played with Wynton. Um, and his bass is Ronnie Jordan and Leon Anderson, who stayed with her and Riley and all this. And I was talking to Nick about how I constantly felt in this state that, you know, I should not be putting on a show. Because why can they, would they pay to see me when Marcus Roberts is here? And they can pay to go see him. And so I did like a lot of pit gigs and a lot of uh, studio teaching and things like that. And we just talked about, well, you have to get out of that mindset because you're never going to feel like you're good enough. You just have to get out there and you have to do it because no matter what, someone is gonna enjoy what you're doing if you actually enjoy what you're doing yourself. So that's kind of the, the concept we get behind. We believe that if you really push that, um, you'll be able to, to build upon it and push yourself in the direction of the career, which is kind of what Nick's gonna talk about now is we've set up some examples of content and saying like, well, if you want this one job, here's some ideas of little building blocks that you can do to lead up to it. And how can you actually put this into action with a measurable outcome, hopefully. Yeah, so we, we kind of put back and forth some ideas. He kind of listed some of the types of gigs he was playing. And so a lot of times people get caught up in the fact they think their life is boring, they think what they're doing is boring, and nobody, nobody will care. So Alan has told me about a bunch of things that he does on a regular basis, like teach uh, private students in a studio, maybe middle school, elementary school, high school, uh, play Broadway, pit-type work, you know, play little gigs here and there. You know, and I just, in about 30 seconds, you know, trying to come up with ideas, this is what I do with my artists and uh, say, okay, well, maybe you think that's boring, 
But okay, if you're a freelance trumpet player playing all different types of gigs, you could make a podcast called The Working Trumpet Player, and you just talk about how you're preparing for all the gigs that you're preparing for. You could make a vlog where you're practicing about you know these types of gigs and these types of gigs, and like this is what I'm practicing because I have this brass quintet, so I'm pulling out my Charlie A etudes and I'm really shedding that, and then. You know, you might have an article that you write and you might post it on LinkedIn and it might say, you know, how I prepare for my first gig as a wedding band musician. And like that's such a narrow, tiny little thing and it seems so significant, but, but maybe on that list you include 50 tunes you need to know. And then all of a sudden that becomes a resource for young musicians that are coming to you and all of a sudden it positions you in a place where people are looking up to you and they might be all across the country and just be young trumpet players, but as, as a coming up trumpet player that wants to develop an audience for his music, then when he posts something about, oh, I got this new video, all those 10 trumpet players that checked out his article are gonna be like, oh, I wanna see what Alan sounds like. Uh, he seems like he knows what he's talking about, but I gotta make sure he can play. And then they see his video and they say, oh, he's killing, like, all right, let's keep going. So then that brings people into your circle. You know, we talk about other things that, you know, a big thing, I also spoke at the Jazz Congress event that was held at Jazz Lincoln Center in New York a couple weeks ago, talking about the same kind of stuff and something that kept coming up again and again was this idea that mentorship was dead in jazz music. And because when I moved to New York, I wanted to move to New York and start playing with Art Blakey, but Art Blakey had passed away way before I got there. And on my last lesson, you know, my teacher had played with Art Blakey, and I said, this is what I wanted to do, and uh, what should I do after school? It's done after graduation next week. And he just kind of looked at me and he's like, well, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna take this into my own hands and uh, try to make that happen. So for me, it's been important to establish that relationship with Alan and try to bring up people in this other way, like trying to find their own opportunities, trying to find a way to navigate in this industry. So going to that, you know, these, all these kids in these programs, I teach at UNT where there's a million kids that want to be jazz soloists and they're shedding, 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 right? And so I just ask them, you know, what's your end game here? Like, what are you trying to do? How are you gonna make a life out of this? You know, and they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, you should be documenting the journey from like being a kid in a practice room to wherever you end up. And so, you know, different types of things. You should be practicing making videos of you practicing. You should make videos of different exercises your teachers are showing you. You could interview all the musicians that you admire uh, because everybody needs more press. Like if, some, if Alan called me and said, I want to interview you, I want to talk to you about how you practice for, I don't know, some gig. And you know, they're great. You know, if he called up, some famous jazz musician, I love your new record, I want to talk to you about it. They're going to most likely say yes. And, and people get in there, we put people on a pedestal and we forget that, you know, this sub part of our industry is very, very much built on relationships and is, you can go up to Joshua Redman after the gig and say hello and he'll talk to you. He's not inaccessible, he's not Taylor, he's not Taylor Swift. So I come up with these types of ideas for our artists. And so what I wanted to do today, uh, we only have five minutes left, it's going really fast. I had a, a feeling this would happen. Um, document the journey. Document the journey with audio, video, written word, and images. Obviously those are the platforms that we have. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all these places. You want to create podcasts, you, you want to create your audio of concerts, you want to have audio of talking to people, podcasting, everybody is moving into these, these things. And it's already getting crowded, so if you're wondering if it's too late, it's not too late. But it's going to be more late next week than it is this week. 
So every minute that you wait to start your podcast, to start your YouTube show, to start your series of practice videos on Instagram is another week where you're losing traction before the next thing comes along. So what I really wanted to try to bring you guys some value with here is to try to talk about what I would do when you're working on your new project, whatever you're doing, because we think, okay, I'm going to make this album, but we want to try to get the most out of every single thing. And this is what we do with our artists. And today we also wanted to I kind of announce and talk about for your early career musicians is the launch of our new label, Next Level. It's an imprint on our label. Uh, and Next Level is for those early career musicians. And this is what we're going to do for those artists as much as we can, uh, depending on where they live and where they are in the process. But, so we get the idea of this new album project. And so from there, during the brainstorming phase, I kind of touched on this a little bit. We have the day of the session, but uh, on the brainstorming stage, you want to be talking, creating content around the concept. Like, how did you come up with it? What are the songs? Who's in the band? How did you decide? Did you go and check them out at a gig and like, could you film like a bootleg? Like, man, this drummer is killing. I need to have him on my band. Like, and you're documenting all these steps along the way, either with audio, with pictures, with video, like we've talked about. And then during the day of the session, you gotta obviously make the record, but you gotta record video, and you might as well, since you're already paying the videographer, get them to talk to the musicians, to talk to you about what you're doing. And yes, we've seen a million videos like this, and maybe it seems played out at this point, but if you're not doing it, you don't exist. If you're not putting stuff out on YouTube, you're not there when people search. And so the day of session, this becomes the album. You know, we focus now on singles. We're making every artist do at least one, if not two or three singles. You get a track video for each track. You then take those, and Alan knows this because I make him do this all the time, is take a video, download it, cut it up into three or four pieces and post it up on Instagram throughout the week. Then you can write an article about the process. You can take and interview musicians. You can talk, make podcasts about the music. You could just put the tracks playing as a weekly episode on your podcast. There's so much stuff that you can do. It's almost unlimited. These are just quick, quick ideas. And which all that stuff leads to your booking materials, which leads to gigs, which leads to live videos. Would you do the same thing with you strip the audio? You put it on your podcast. You put it. Uh, out there for people, people to check out. Then you're going to get students that are like, hey, I want a Skype lesson. And when you're teaching the Skype lessons, you go ahead and every every single uh, little exercise you come up with, you put it into Finale, right? And then 10 lessons later, you have all these PDFs to sell of all your exercises, which then leads to more on Skype, which leads to educational bookings, which helps you to get more gigs in new places and share your music with more people. So the all of these things, one into the other, is content, and it keeps on rolling in a circle, and it keeps going, going up and up and up and up and up. And the more that you're dedicated to it, and the more that you're uh, thinking about these things. So you just got to keep on doing it all again and again. It keeps coming back to that same thing, create, connect, repeat. So uh, before we totally run out of time, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Next Level and what we're doing. Uh, we are able to... Yeah, real quick. We're, we're able to offer some project financing for early stage artists in their career. We're trying to get rid of that huge upfront cost, that $15,000 cost. We're trying to amortize it out into three, four, five projects, not just one. Because I know my first project, I spent about $15,000 on it. It went about boop, and then disappeared forever. And I went, wow, this sucks. <laughs> this, this should not have to be how it is. So. Uh, we are uh, focusing on trying to make opportunities for the artists uh, by being able to finance the projects, by being able to take them through that pillar content strategy and get them from 
A to B to C to D uh, with, with the one project that they already have. So we'd love for it to stay in touch with all of you. Uh, if you want to say hello, we'll be we'll go out in the hall so we don't block anybody in this room. But uh, to answer any questions that you might have, but feel free to check it out. If you're an artist that's trying to put out music, please do get in touch with us. The easiest way is through our website. But um, I want to thank everyone at NAM and Generation Next for having us, and thank Alan for being here. Thank all of you for listening to us yammer on for the last 20 minutes. But uh, we hope that you will stay in touch with us and that uh, we wish you the best of luck in your careers and uh, have a wonderful rest of your conference. <laughs>